Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down, here wherever you get your podcasts or Patreon, you don't need to listen to any ads. My name is Kenny, joined as always by Finley Martin. Finn, how are you this fine Tuesday? Kenny, I'm doing alright, yes. No complaints, how about yourself? Yeah, same here, same here. Uh, A lot of of good wrestling has happened, a lot of, there's so much wrestling it's hard to keep up with it, but that's kind of the story of 2023, but... We are here to talk about SmackDown and Raw, which took place uh, obviously on Friday and last night. And we talked last week, Finn, about how on SmackDown, how the idea that LA Knight, it was his big night. It was He had to deliver on the mic for us because we were, you know, very curious to see how he was going to do. So he obviously made an impression by interrupting Roman Reigns' entrance for the contract signing. How did Ellie Knight do? Talk me through your thoughts, good and bad. I thought he had a terrific night. I thought this was the best night of his career on the main roster, probably the best night of his career, full stop. And I think it may, five years from now, Kenny, be remembered as the best night of his career ever. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought they did really well on SmackDown, doing what they needed to do to try and create some sort of element of doubt over who's going to win this match between uh, Roman Reigns and LA Knight at Crown Jewel this Saturday. Um, I mean, I still don't believe for a second that Knight's going to win. Sorry, everyone. You know, (laughs) but I just don't. And 
I'm sure if we were to do a poll, I would say that probably nine out of 10 people, if not 10 out of 10 people, Kenny, would uh-huh. say that Roman Reigns is going to win. Um, but, you know, this is the level of dominance that Reigns has had in WWE. Um, and, um, you know, that's where we're at. I don't think anyone believes that he's going to lose the belt before WrestleMania. But I think they did a, you know, an exemplary job with Knight. I thought he delivered everything that was expected of him and probably a bit more. And this was the performance at the start of the show and the end of the show that he needed to produce, to deliver, to make us believe, or not that he's going to beat Roman Reigns, but that he's worthy of wrestling Roman Reigns. Is that a fair way of putting it, Kenny? Yeah, no, I I think it is. I think it's, you know, you can kind of get swept up in the LA night furore because obviously he's kind of on the rise he's he's fresh he's new he's exciting and Roman Reigns kind of feels like he's already peaked in terms of the bloodline story that we've obviously talked about a lot over the last couple of months so it's easy to kind of get swept up in everything and go well what if he did win but we know that you know if Sami Zayn wasn't going to win the title or Cody Rhodes wasn't winning at Wrestlemania or Drew wasn't winning in Cardiff it's not going to be LA Knight's night in Saudi no, unless they, you know, unless they've lost all confidence in Reigns, which I which don't they, think they have, which they, ha- which they haven't, which they haven't. So there's just no way. I did see someone, and I, I somebody had shared it on a Facebook group and had like cut, it was like a tweet, but they cut off who'd written it, so I can't even credit the person. But somebody came up with an idea, and I actually think it's kind of genius, and they will not do it. But I, th- I mean, they absolutely will not do it. However, I think it would be interesting. If Cena ended up turning heel on LA Knight and costing him the match and kind of have Cena do a match with LA Knight at WrestleMania where Cena's the heel, he puts him over, maybe Cena could have some fun with being a heel because he's Mr. Hollywood now. I think that would be a pretty interesting way of getting out of it and having LA Knight not feel like he's, you know, another guy on another notch in Roman Reigns' bedpost, so to speak, of of losers. But yeah, um, but yeah I think... I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that they did a really good job on Friday of having LA Knight continue to be the LA Knight character and be true to that, but do it in a way that felt like he was rattling Reigns. From, yes, yes. From, from the, the, the kind of coming down and walking past them, sitting at the head of the table... You know, doing all that stuff he did because you know there would have been it would have been easy to have him go down the, the the usual route of somebody cutting the big serious promo and instead they had him just kind of play it like he's a bigger star than Reigns and it really worked. Oh, it did. I mean, I thought Knight cut the promo of his promo of his career on Reigns and Reigns at first was just like no selling Knight and the threat that he posed to him once he composed himself after Knight walked past him as Reigns was in the aisle. And, uh, you know, Paul Heyman's always hilarious. I mean, it always cracks me up because, I mean, you're usually looking at, like, Reigns and whomever he's facing. But if you look at Heyman, it's always just priceless. It's always solid gold. His reactions are always just perfect. Um, You know, just tip-top, exactly you know, in a way, I don't think he overplays it because we always we know what to expect from Heyman, and he absolutely brought it here on SmackDown. You know, just like judging Reigns's uh, reaction tonight, and then he's trying to work out how he's supposed to react tonight and how he's supposed to react to Reigns. 
um, while selling the gravity of whatever's being discussed. But I thought, yeah, I thought uh, Reigns at first, like, no sold Knight. But then Knight cut this, like, scathing promo. And it was, like, so powerful. You know, he was, like, magnetic out there. And Reigns' you know, expression, his face dropped as he realised that, you know, maybe Knight did have his number. And then in the end, he turned the table over on him. And, like, the way he turned the table over, I was like, I really hope that table doesn't land on a member of the audience. Obviously, it didn't. But, I mean, the way he did it was like, that was a bit dodgy. <laughs> and uh, um, so the table ended up outside the ring. And then he's destroying Knight. And he gets another table from under the ring. Has a little bit of trouble getting it, getting it up and set, setting the table up in the ring. Uh, then returns to the ring. Knight's been um, allowed time to recover from the beating that he's just absorbed from uh, Reigns. And then he makes a comeback on Reigns and beats him up. And then uh, Jimmy Uso, he runs in and he attacks LA Knight as Reigns flees. And then Knight turns the tables on Jimmy and then suplexes back, suplexes him through the table. And Knight in the end stood tall. Um, and that was repeated again at the end of the show, Kenny. So I mean, this was this was a you know tremendous night, glorious night for Knight. And I yes. just thought he really delivered in that opening segment. He looked like a threat. And um, you know, you're just saying there where Reigns has probably peaked because the bloodline storylines peaked, and that's fair enough. I can't really argue with you there. But I think Reigns just showed why he is to me, if not the best in the world, certainly top three with his performance in this segment how and how he went from initially um, just scoffing at the threat that Knight posed to him to by the end of the segment, you know, just being irate that Knight would be so insolent and you'll know, be so, you know, wouldn't show him the respect that he craves and uh, just totally losing it and attacking Knight. And then Knight made the comeback and sent Reigns fleeing from the ring. So I think, Reigns just basically, we saw the whole spectrum, whole map. We saw all of Reigns' full range of talents in this one segment here of what he can do and what he brings to a segment. And I, th- I thought he was fantastic. He really sold it, you know. I mean, Knight was great, but I think Reigns was actually better because he really put Knight over here and that was his job. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it just feels like with, with Roman, you know, once he beats night he's probably not going to be a part of survivor series and he'll be back in january for the rumble but i think i think what we can agree on is whoever this roman reigns story probably has to end at wrestlemania it is it has not got a lot of legs left in it unless they have something that you know they've got another chapter to to tell us but um it, it feels that we're 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 definitely approaching the end of it now so yeah, and, and that suggestion of John Cena turning heel on night and costing them costing him the match with Roman Reigns. Obviously, I like the sound of that because you know I've been campaigning for a John Cena heel turn for about 17 years or something like that. <laughs> and you know, I've written numerous stories on it, or I did do back in the Power Slam days. And um, you know, I always knew it was never gonna happen, but it was like one of those fantasy booking features and there was a lot of huge appetite for the Cena heel turn 10 years ago. And um, even though Cena is now popular and people actually are pretty much universally cheering him, which is strange to me, but that's what's happening now in 2023. I think in some ways that'd make the heel turn even better because people would not be expecting it. And it would be 
you know, a perfect excuse for Knight if Cena were to cost him the match. And yeah, whoever suggested that, Cena versus Knight at WrestleMania, I think that would be a huge match for Knight at WrestleMania. And Cena could, yeah, could have a hell of a lot of fun as a heel playing this character that I think he could do really well. And I think he would add so much more value to WWE and his opponents if he were to turn heel. But I don't see it happening either. I mean, maybe it will, you know, maybe it could because it's not Vince in charge anymore. We know Vince was, you know, opposed to the Cena heel turn. He would never rubber stamp it. He would never allow it to happen. He would always shoot down any talk of that because of the money they would lose in, you know, merch sales. But now it's Paul Levesque who's in charge. And obviously he's going to be aware of how much money that Cena's bringing in in merch sales. But he's also got to think that, you know, this is a fantastic opportunity to do something very different and original that's going to get the wrestling world talking and could be really good, not only for night at WrestleMania, but maybe you could get Cena to work as a heel against several opponents and lots yeah. of people could benefit from this. Yeah, 100%. I think it's a good idea and I hope that they do it. But speaking of Cena, we did find out before SmackDown that he'd be facing Solo Sokoa. It was made official for Crown Jewel. And we had Cena come out to sell us on the match. And he did the usual rah-rah John Cena speech. The crowd chant, you still got it, which, you know, were, I can't find the words. But they, they said it. And, um, you know, he, he, he talks about, you know, uh, what happens if I, if I don't still have it? You know, you can't ignore what's happened. Um, and then he sort of said that Crown Jewels must see and it's a must win for him and he's got to yeah. dig deep and he's got to deliver which, you know, within the context of how terrible he is in the microphone, he delivered this pretty well. But then Paul Heyman comes out and Heyman gives us this kind of history lesson on, you know, them and the fact that, you know, Cena got drafted to SmackDown from OVW back in 2002 and, you know, Roman Reigns at SummerSlam 2021 proved that he wasn't the greatest of all time in the ring anymore. And then Heyman earned his money here, Finn, with this next line. Where, where Paul Heyman said, and it's it's hard for me to say this, says Heyman, <laughs> you might not be the greatest in the ring anymore, but you are the greatest in the history of wrestling at being a communicator. What a pile of shit. I mean, Heyman said that Cena could talk better than anyone else on planet Earth. I on, mean, what, on what? I mean, I'm all for hyperbole and for building people up. But I mean, it's just Cena's not even in the ballpark of the great talkers in wrestling history. Even, yeah. even, even when he was actually, when he had the ability to be good. But I mean, not the fact, I mean... It, I was I was I was just cackling to myself watching it, going, I mean, come on. Oh yeah, I mean, and then he started banging about, oh, Cena, your voice is so important to you, and if Solo Sokoa hits you with that Samoan spike, you know, you may never be able to talk again. I mean, has, has anyone lost their voice yet, Kenny, after being hit with Solo Samoan spike? No, I mean, but also don't well. don't te- but don't tease us. Don't tease us that we might never hear John Cena's bollocks again. I mean, the stuff he was coming out with in that promo. Let me give you a You know, he was like, you know, he says somber promo. You know, this is serious. This is serious, fans. 
You know, you said he was in jeopardy of losing the fans' respect. We can't ignore the data. Now is the time to deliver. I mean, Cena's voice was cracking under the emotion. You know, I mean, it's like, what was going on here? I mean, talk about melodramatic. I mean, it's just totally over the top. I mean, it was just inconsistent with what's actually, you know, occurring and the threat that he's facing. I mean, Solo, it's not like Solo's never lost. I mean, Solo's a top talent and everything, but I mean, it's pretty obvious that Cena's going to win, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. And I mean, he's trying to talk it up, but he just went so OTT here that you just couldn't take him seriously. And then, as you said, Heyman came out and, you know, the level of exaggeration was just like absurd. Oh, you're the greatest speaker ever. It's like, well, no, he isn't. And then Solo arrived and attacked Cena from behind and nailed him with a Samoan spike and Cena's there selling his throat like he's near death. So, I mean, the whole thing was just kind of cartoonish, which, I mean, that's Cena, isn't it? That's what he brings to WWE, this cartoon show. Um, well, you know, the, the greatest communicator in wrestling history has communicated another thought on Twitter two hours ago. Um, how about this for something thought-provoking to it? Cena says, there is no immediate corrective procedure to change our being. It requires effort. I mean, he's just a wealth of knowledge. And, I mean, how is this guy? I mean, he's just so profound. We all need to follow John Cena. You know, all our problems in our life, he's got the answers to them. Follow him off a cliff. Go on his ex-feed. He's got the answer to all your problems. You will find them on Cena's ex-feed. Yeah, I mean, this was just... It was Well, it was just Cena, wasn't it? You know, it was just... This sort of departure from, you know, there is an element of reality or at least reality in the context or the parameters or the world of WWE. It feels like WWE is more realistic. You know, I know that's a funny word to use in pro wrestling, but it does feel more believable than it once did. And then Cena pops up and you just, you know, I hear flashbacks to 2013. Um, But you know what? If he beats Solo at Crown Jewel, it won't be the worst thing that's happened to Solo. I think Solo will have a lot of offense before he loses. You know, the audience will enjoy it. You know, Saudis will be happy. And, um, you know, there's always that faint hope that Cena will do that heel turn. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. But, hey, that would be a hell of a ending to the show if it did. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Yes, it would. Yes, it would. But um, we'll 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 be watching with bated breath on Saturday. Will be. Well, um, WWE. Uh, we we know. I mean, we know you don't really get your booking ideas from us. But I think I speak for Kenny when I say book that Cena heel turn. Yes, book it now. So uh, it, there's not really a lot of other stuff on SmackDown to go over. Obviously, Ellie Knight. At the end of the contract, Sam was attacked by Jimmy Uso. He got the upper hand, though, and put Uso through the table, which led us to the main event of Jimmy Uso against LA Knight. And I thought Knight actually showed a bit more fire in the match than he usually does. I thought when he when Jimmy was up top and uh, LA Knight just basically jumped from the ground to the top rope, I thought that looked great. Oh, yeah, the, super, the superplex. Yeah, spot. and then did the superplex. It was really, really good. And I thought it's. I think his finisher, the the BFT, is starting to look better. I thought that when he did it to Reigns after the match, he actually looked pretty good, and it was sold in commentary pretty well. Of you know the blunt force trauma is what you know causes it to be such a devastating move. Yeah. So you know, Roman tried to attack him after the match. Knight avoids the spear and lands his finish, and we go off there with them kind of trading verbal barbs with each other. But uh, yeah, I thought this was, like you said, this was a, a great night for Ellie Knight. Yeah, I mean, I thought the the sequence at the end, the finish here with the run-up superplex and into the BFT on Jimmy, I thought that couldn't have looked better. And then afterwards, the timing as well, of, and this is just how good Roman Reigns is. Reigns ran at night, night sidestepped him just at the right moment. Uh, Reigns uh, hit the corner and then Knight turned the tables, hit the blunt force trauma, and Reigns just sold it like it was, you know, a finisher that he wasn't going to kick out of. I thought the commentators laid it on thick, as they should have done. You know, this could be the outcome, you know, week on Saturday at Crown Jewel. If LA Knight hits this move, Reigns is going to lose the title, blah, 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 blah. So I thought, you know, everything that needed to be said was. And yeah, this was, this was, yeah, this was um, finally Knight, has really brought you know the the level of emotion, verbal dexterity, your know, connection with the audience. I think he just needs to do a few more things in his match to connect with the audience. You know, he does the stuff where he does the kicks and people shout, you know, people chant yeah, and slam people, slam someone's head into the announce desk, and people do the yeah thing. You know, and that's good, but he just needs to be a little bit more fan acknowledgement in the matches, and I think that will just give people a lift because sometimes the volume does have a tendency tendency to drop, doesn't it? In LA yeah. night matches in the middle portion. And he needs to address that. He needs to find a way to counter that and just make it so that fans are just with him from start to finish, you know, which, you know, with the top guys, they usually are. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously we don't think the night's going to win, unfortunately, um, no. but that's not his fault. You know, there's nothing he can do about that. That's just, Linked, of course, attributable to the dominance of Roman Reigns. But yeah, I hope they have a really good good match at Crown Jewel. Um, I hope it really delivers. I think it will. Um, and, um, you know, this is, um, you know, this, you know, all those years, you know, of, uh, of working on the indie circuit and for crap wages. And, you know, he's, what is he, 40 now, I think, or 41 LA night. You know, it's all come together. It's all coming together this Saturday for him. So I, I hope he has a really good night. Um, well, listen, let's. I, I want to move on to Raw because there's a lot of stuff on Raw to talk about. Is there anything else you want to give a pass and mention to from SmackDown before we move on? Um, I mean, Shotzi defeated Chelsea Green, uh, who looked terrible. <laughs> um, 
Uh, what else do we have? We uh, have Logan, Logan Paul knocking out Rey Mysterio backstage during the LWO Street Profits match. That's it, Street Profits versus Carlito and Santos Escobar and Logan Paul sucker punched Rey Mysterio. Um, and uh, then backstage afterwards, Logan Paul walked past Kevin Owens, who was still backstage, and Kevin Owens was wearing a Rey Mysterio T-shirt. And there was like a glance there, and Paul walked off. And then Owens... Uh, saw uh, Grayson Waller and Austin Theory and said, I could knock you two out with one punch. And then he did so. And it was like almost like a movie fight scene camera angle, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Where the camera, camera was behind Owens and he threw this punch and Waller and Theory both sold it and fell down. So I thought that was really good. I like the idea of Owens versus Owens and someone versus Waller and Austin Theory. I think that can be a lot of fun. Um, I guess the other thing on the show was Bianca Belair did a promo talking about her upcoming match with Eeyore Sky at Crown Jewel. And when she said that she was going to regain the title from Eeyore Sky, it was kind of a mixed response. Did you catch that? Did you detect that, yeah. Kenny? Yeah, no, there, there was. So I don't really know what that's about. Um, you know, I mean, they're going to have to... Bel Air someone who... You know, she's, had the, she's had the time off now, so if she's back, you need to kind of give her some interesting character stuff to do. And obviously they've not, they've not really done that yet, so maybe the I'm, crowd just aren't ready to aren't ready for a Bianca a title reign again yet. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think there's anything left for Belair as a face. I mean, I'd like to see her join yeah, Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins, and Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I think same. that could be. I think that could be. That's a com- totally different role for her, and um, we're going to see a different side of her as a heel. I just think she's done everything she can. Um, as a babyface in WWE. So to me, you, they just need to... T- I think they need to turn a heel after this match with Eeyore Sky. Um, let's move on to Raw. We had, obviously, a lot going on on Raw this week. Um, the Judgment Day, obviously, were at the helm of everything, as they always are. We had the open promo that Sami Zayn interrupted, and that led to Rhea Ripley sort of volunteering Damian Priest for the main event against Sami. Um, and it led us to Dominic against Ricochet, where Dominic got the win here. Uh, and in the end, because McDonough, again, is the guy who is helping the Judgment Day at all costs because he desperately wants to get into the group. But what did you make of this open promo and Dom-Ricochet match? I th- yeah, I thought it was okay. I mean, Rhea Ripley was doing most of the talking, then Sami Zayn turned up, and then that led to... Um, like an, an attack, and then Ricochet arrived, and it was Ricochet Dominic Mysterio. And, um, I mean, the fans were so into this match. I mean, everything Dominic Mysterio does, you know, he's got the Midas touch right now. This guy has improved so much as a wrestler in the last six months. He's just, you could just see he's so confident now. This The heat that he has has obviously really assisted him. and But the growth he's, he's made as an all-round performer... In some ways, I actually think his promos now are the weakest part of his act. And that doesn't matter because when he speaks, no no one can hear what he says. <laughs> so, I mean, I thought this was a really good match with Ricochet. I thought Ricochet had a great match as well. And he was protected on the finish. Uh, there was um, Don won with the fluke roll-up after distractions from Rhea and J.D. McDonough. Um, and it really felt also, you know, even though Dominic won here, it felt like there are plans for Ricochet because he got some screen time later. And I, I just hope that match with Nakamura has turned some heads backstage and they're finally going to do something with him 
that's not just going to be a short-term, you know, angle or match. You know, when you think of what Ricochet has done this year, every um, scenario that he's been booked in, I think he's really excelled. I mean, the Logan Paul thing was really well done. The Nakamura match was. Uh, I thought this match here with Mysterio was. Um, but I mean, he, he never he needs like a to me like a sustained push. He just keeps yes. getting these little moments, doesn't he, or these matches. Yeah. And the matches matter, but in a sense, they don't matter in the big picture because they don't really take him anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I agree. I think Ricochet's done well this year and hopefully something will come out of it for him at some point. Obviously, you know, he he is being potentially put into the IC title picture. So, again, which is good for him because he got told by Adam Pearce that he's going to be uh, put in a match next week to... Uh, potentially become number one contender for the IC title, but he did say that Dom is still on his radar. Yeah, Damien Priest was not happy uh, about Rhea Ripley basically deciding a match for him, which you know is fair enough. And <laughs> did I miss something when you know we were allowed to make matches for each other? Because I thought there was no leader in the group, and um, you know she was trying to kind of calm things down. Um, and in the main event, we had the Damien Priest Sami Zayn match, which was pretty fun. I mean, I think it is a bit of kind of it feels that we've seen all these people wrestle in various machinations for quite a while now. Yeah, so it's hard to know. Like, if you were to put a gun to my head and say, "Have Sami Zayn and Damien Priest faced off in a one-on-one match in the last three months?" I couldn't tell you. They might have. They might not. Have. I feel like I've seen them in matches a lot for the last three months, but I think. Hopefully by Crown Jewel and afterwards, there's going to be a, a, a movement forward in the story. I think we're at that point now. I don't know if you would agree or disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, the way they were selling it with Damien Priest um, holding up the briefcase after the um, Seth Rollins and JD McDonough match. Rollins beat McDonough, of course. And Damien Priest came out with a with a briefcase. Um, so we had that chat there between Rollins and Priest, and Priest is like threatening to cash in, and Rollins is saying, you know, you're just wasting it on me, you know, do something. And it does feel like something, I, I think something's going to happen at Crown Jewel. I mean, I hope so. We're sort of almost talking about Crown Jewel to be like this WrestleMania <laughs> level event. You know, if you see the heel turn happens, which it's not going to, of course it's not, it's just fantasy, it's booking fantasy, let's be honest. If that happens... And then Priest cashes in uh, the briefcase and snatches it, you know, from under Drew McIntyre's nose, which actually could happen. This is going to be a big show. You know, this is going to be a very memorable show, isn't it? Yeah. If all if just those two things happen, never mind everything else that's booked. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Yeah, it just feels like everything's sort of been in a holding pattern and the crown jewel is going to be a, turning point to an extent because that's then that's going to sell survivor series um and survivor series you know is then next big show of course is royal rumble and we're on the road to wrestlemania so i i do think something big is going to happen on saturday with a briefcase i I mean i don't think priest i mean priest didn't really have such a good night i've got to say in the ring with sammy zane he looked a little bit off and the match was massively overshadowed by the post-match brawl with Cody running in and Jay coming out uh, to counteract Finn Balor and Damien and Dominic Mysterio, who of course ran out to help Damien Priest. So, I mean, to me, you know, the Zayn versus Priest match didn't really feel that big. And it was eclipsed by what happened after the match, which 
you know, often happens actually on road, doesn't it? But certainly was the case this week. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't really see Priest as being a top guy and a world champion. I don't think he's, I just don't think he's good enough to be world champion. I don't think he ever will be. But I still think he is going to become world champion for a spell. And in terms of advancing the storyline, I think that can be really good. He doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a brilliant wrestler or the top best wrestler in the company to be world champion. Him becoming world champion, when you think about it, that's going to affect the power balance between him and Rhea, isn't it, Kenny? Yes. Now, if he's tag team champion and world champion, that's going to crank up the tension between him and Rhea, which makes me think possibly after what was said between Rhea and Damian Priest on Raw this week, that it could genuinely happen at Crown Jewel. Because the priest leaves that event as world champion and tag team champion, you know, Rhea's going to be, you know, she's going to be pushed back on her heels, isn't she? She's yeah. going to be like, oh, I can't start telling this guy what to do. He's a double champion. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of storyline mileage there. Yeah, and I think you know, I think he you, he does have to win with the briefcase, given how much time and effort they put into it. Yeah. And I think he's a good upper upper card player so I think that a short title reign is fine um, but yeah the, so the Judgment Day stuff in the show was pretty good I thought that one of the best parts of the show was the video package they did on Drew McIntyre which was just it was over four minutes and it kind of told the whole story of what went on and he talks about you know winning the Rumble and you know he thought it was going to be a stadium full of people chatting his name everything changed overnight and then he said, you know, my crowning moment happened in a period that everyone wants to forget. Yeah. And he kind of gives us the whole story and closes by saying that, you know, Seth Rollins was my first title defence in 2020 and at Crown Jewel, I will be his last. So, I mean, they, they've set this up so well with Drew and Seth. And then Seth obviously comes out right afterwards because he had the match with JD McDonough and he kind of says about Drew, you know, boo-hoo, cry me a river you Scottish baby, and talks about how a lot of people had it worse during the pandemic than he did and didn't get to see their loved ones again. So, I mean, there was some quite deep stuff in what Rollins was saying at some yeah. points. But, um, yeah, I think they've, to me, Seth and Drew is the, is the best built match at Crown Jewel, 100%. Yeah, I think, I think they did a good job of building it up. And, um, you know, Drew was there talking about, you know, the pandemic and the disappointment and what happened to Clash of the Castle and all these, you know, barriers and obstacles that have prevented him from, you know, achieving this title win in front of a crowd. And he feels cheated because they showed footage, didn't they, of the Royal Rumble 2020 and him eliminated Brock Le- eliminating Brock Lesnar and the reaction to him. And fans were just so ready for him to be champion, weren't they? And I'd forgotten, actually how over he was at Royal Rumble mm-hmm. when he after he'd eliminated Brock Lesnar. And you're like, wow, he's going to become champion. And of course he did do. But by then we were in lockdown and the world had changed and he missed out on that, you know, became champ, but missed out on that big moment where the affirmation from the audience. Um, but I mean, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about how Drew is going to become this self-righteous heel you know, and he didn't really come across as a heel in this video, did he? He came across more like a baby face. Yeah. And I'm sure that was by design. And will he be on the verge? Will he have the match in the bag? And then will Priest cash in? So 
that will compound his his frustration and that'll be the thing that tips him over the edge and he becomes this, you know, full-blown heel. I mean, possibly. I mean, there is talk still that he hasn't extended his contract, right, Kenny? And his contract expires first half of next year. I believe that's the case. Yeah, and apparently, yeah, he has still not he has still not signed his contract as of now. So. Yeah. So, I mean, usually when WWE puts a title on someone, I know they haven't done this in the past, but they like they like to know that they can depend on the talent, that the talent's going to be there and has committed themselves to the company before they'll commit your know, major title to them, unless it's very brief, of course. So I think that could be, that could, you know, basically, you know, result in Drew not becoming champion at Crown Jewel. Maybe you will very briefly and Priest will cash in. And as I said, you know, that sense of injustice that he'd finally become champ only for it to be snatched from his grasp by Damian Priest, that'll be, you know, the catalyst for Drew to, you know, go full on heel. So yeah. I think I think something big is going to happen in that match. I don't think it's just going to be those two. I think Priest is going to cash in or be involved somehow. Um, put it this way, I'll be stunned if Seth Rollins is still champion when we record this podcast next week, Kenny. I will be amazed if he's still wearing that belt. Well, I think that's the, it's, Seth still wearing the belt next week is the least interesting option of, yes. the, of the three. So, yeah. But... Let's talk about a big debut on Raw. The open challenge of Alpha Academy was answered by the Creed brothers, Julie, Julie, uh, Brutus and yeah, Julius. Brutus and Julius, yeah, with Ivy Nile. With Ivy Nile in their corner, obviously the big, big act in NXT. They get the win over Alpha Academy. I mean, you couldn't really have written a better debut for, for this team. Uh, no, you couldn't. I thought Brutus versus Otis was a bit off. There's a yeah. some hesitation there. It seemed like they were having communication problems. Um, but they pulled the match together. I mean, Julius is clearly the top talent in the team. Brutus is good, but Julius is definitely better. He's more charismatic, better connection with the audience, bigger guy. You know, really, you know, Brutus is one of those guys who's going to be in trouble when the team splits because Julius has got singles, top card potential as a singles player. But anyway, that's a few years off yet. But yeah, it was it was a really good match once once they really pulled things together. Um, you know, I thought Otis was really good here. Apart from that, part with Brutus where they were having trouble communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we had some uh, interaction at ringside between Ivy Nile. Uh, Maxine, uh, Ivy and I also suplexed Akira Tozawa, who's at ringside also. And in the end, Julius pinned Otis after Brutus uh, hit the Brutus ball. Used to be called the Brutus bomb, but now the Brutus ball. There you go. Yeah, I mean... So, yeah, and afterwards, the Alphas congratulate the Creeds. And... um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I thought the match really got over. I thought the Creeds, Creeds had a good night, apart from that section that I've already mentioned. And in the end, I don't think people really will remember that. And um, I'm sure backstage we were thinking these guys are these guys are ready for the big time. Do we bring them in as members of the Alpha Academy, or do we bring them in and say these these guys are good enough to make it on the own? You know, in some ways, you just think, well, if Roderick Strong. And stuck with him, he could have been part of the act as well. I think that would have been a good gig for him. I thought Roderick Strong actually was really good when he was a member of the Di- or leader of the Diamond Mine, uh, of which you know the Creeds and Ivy Nile were members. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, good, great to see these guys on there. I've been I've been fans of theirs for a long time, and 
they were good here, but but they're definitely capable of more than what we saw from them on Raw. I mean, I heard I heard this, something earlier on about how you know the idea of when, the, when you're when you're in NXT, you can kind of plan your match that you're going to have for ages. But you know, when they get to Raw, they've only really got that time to go over it with Alpha Academy. So, I think for a first go, they did well. And you know, yeah. the more they get used to kind of the time that you have to plan for matches, and the more comfortable they get. But I thought they, in terms of an NXT act coming up, they looked very confident. Even when like things weren't particularly going to plan, I thought they still looked like they belonged. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm excited to see more from them. Um, we also got on Raw the 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 shocking babyface turn of the Miz during a Miz TV with Gunther, who absolutely ripped into Miz, calling him just a talk show host. And when the bell rings, there's nothing there. Miz tried to be serious. And it feels like we're leading to a Miz and Gunther match. What did you make of this development? Yeah, and I'm all for it. I mean, I thought this segment was brilliant. I mean, for me, I think this was the highlight of the show because it was so unexpected. It was so much better than I thought it would be. And I'm going to say when Miz was out there and then Ludwig and uh, Giovanni Vinci came out and, um, you know, Vinci even had some mic time. And Miz acknowledged it, said, look at this, he speaks. Give him a round of applause, people. <laughs> and uh, I mean, there was some really good, you know, banter there between Ludwig and Giovanni Vinci. And you can see that Vinci eventually is going to turn face and split from the group. And I, I, I hope he makes it, you know. He's actually really good. And um, there was some good comedy there. And finally, uh, Gunter came out in his suit. And, um, you know, there's someone in the crowd, Kenny, uh, who held up a sign that read, Enough with the what chance as fans <laughs> chanted what at Gunter. Um, you know, Gunter just ignored them, and you know, he was saying to Miz, I can't take you seriously. You know, it's just like then Miz is firing back, and Miz was fired up. Like we know he can deliver. We saw it in the LA Knight feud, didn't we? He can I mean at times he outshone. LA night on the mic, didn't he, Kenny? Remember? We yeah, talked yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. And um, this was one of those times where you think, you know, this Miz guy, he's been doing this a while. Right? He's been doing this, what is it, 2004, wasn't it, when he got his contract, late 2004, I think it was, and in 2005 yeah. he came in as on TV and no one took him seriously, and eventually, you know, he became a 2010, I think was his big breakthrough year. So, I mean, obviously on two... Um, consecutive issues of a uh, cover of two consecutive issues of Power Slam. You know, he, Miz mentions his accolades, but we all know that that's the high point of his career. We on two consecutive Power Slam covers. <laughs> I thought I thought Miz was really really fun here and and really fired back on Gunter and Gunter was Miz's equal on the mic and you're thinking is he gonna is Gunter gonna hold it together and you know Gunter absolutely believes in himself. So he's not going to take a step back for anyone. And they were just, I thought they were great building up this match. And then Kaiser picked up one of the pumpkins that was on the Miz TV set and smashed it and he threw his chairs out of the ring. And then uh, Miz attacked um, Kaiser and Vinci. And then Gunter ended up leveling uh, Miz. And Miz got up and attacked Gunter. And then Gunter just basically sent Miz packing and Miz walked backstage um, but went to see Adam Pierce. It's like, right, I want a match with Gunter. So you're right, it almost felt like Miz was turning face here. And I think 
when this match happens, and I'm really actually looking forward to this, this is I think it's going to be a process before we get Gunter versus Miz. I'd like to see it Survivor Series, actually. I think that match is going to, it's going to be, that is going to be something special, you know, Miz versus Gunter. And by rights, it shouldn't be, because who can really take Miz seriously? But we know that Gunter knows how to get the best out of every opponent. And yeah. I think Miz will see this as like his biggest match of the year, if not the biggest match of the last few years. And I, I think this is going to be something, yeah, something to behold. It's like I was watching this this morning. I turned to Steve Gunn and I said, "I'm I'm weirdly into Gunther versus the Miz," which I never thought those words would leave my mouth ever. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a massive test for Gunther, and I think he will pass it with flying colors, but. You know, the Miz is really good on the mic, and most of the time when he gets in the ring, it's never as good. You know, for, well, well, it's not never, but for the most part, it's not as good. You know, he's just not able to back up. Whereas with Gunther, it's like he's going to be able to hopefully, I mean, he will probably be able to get the best match of Miz's career out of him. Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. I think so. Well, Miz did have a hell of a match with Seth Rollins. Was that earlier this year? I think it was. Was there, was, there not the, was there not the one he had with Seth Rollins a couple of years ago, Extreme Rules? That's the one that people... Or was that Elias? Well, yeah, there was the Elias match one that Rollins had, that Elias' best ever match. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. I'm not thinking of yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Um, Miz and Rollins did have a heck of a match. I think it was earlier this year on TV. But I think Miz will recognise what's at stake here and that, you know, an exemplary showing in a match with Gunter will, like it could potentially, you know, lead to, well, it would, who knows whether it's going to lead to bigger and better things, but it's going to be something that's going to win some, win, earn him some, you know, renewed respect backstage. And um, I think Gunter will see it as a personal challenge to have a hell of a match with Miz because he likes to have, you know, cracking matches with everyone, doesn't he? Yeah. And I think for Miz, like you say, you know, Miz is in his 40s now. So it's a point where, you know, you're not, you're not always going to be handed more opportunities. So, the Miz at forty three, I think he is, uh, needs to needs to nail this, and I think he, like you say, he knows, for, especially from his performance here, it felt like he knew that that was that's that's what's on the line here. So, uh, we yeah, all- and it's going to be really strange to hear people cheering Miz, and they will, they will, will. I mean, they, they will they were, cheer him against Gunter. They were cheering him in this promo at one point. Yeah. You know, when he was kind of talking about his accolades and what he'd done in the past. I also wanted to ask you about the return of DIY. This was their first match together against Imperium. How did they do? Yeah, I thought we, I thought it was it was it was okay. It wasn't electric. Um, you know, they were up against Kaiser and Vinci. I mean, they had to follow this angle that we just described, which I think was something that people took people by surprise because it was so good. Um, you know, DIY. They've scored the win over Kaiser and Vinci, and so they should have done. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they need... I'd like to see them, in some ways, I'd like to see them against Balor and Priest. I think that can be big. Um, but I think they're going to have to win a few matches before they reach the point where they receive a title match. Um, but yeah, it's... it's. I mean, we, we remember them, of course, from NXT, but that was a long time ago now, when they were a team. Was it 20? We talked about this actually. Was it 2016 or 17 when they split? 17 was when they split. I split, think. right. Yeah. 
So like it's six years since they were like, a, you know, that full time team that everyone was raving about in the old version of NXT. Yeah. So, I mean, that emotional connection just really isn't there anymore. And this is a different audience anyway than watched NXT back then. So, yeah, there's a lot of building to do to, um, you know, DIY is quite an appropriate name, isn't it? So there's a lot of (laughs) DIY to do on this team. Um, So there's a lot, yeah, a lot of work to do on the team to, to make people care about them, you know, in any, anywhere near the level that they once did. Um, and I think it will be tricky because they've obviously had careers and been stars on and off ever since. And the reason they had that sort of groundswell of support was because these were two indie guys who weren't supposed to make it. And then they did. And they can't tell that story now at this point in the careers. It just, you know, they're too old and they've achieved too much. So they've got to go about it a different way. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I wish them the best. I, I'm, I'm a fan of these guys and I want them to succeed. So, um, and they scored the win here. So that's a, to me, that was a good start. And then the last two things from Raw that I want to bring up were, um, <laughs> I thought a great kind of, fat, uh, what's the word? A botch from Michael Cole that he actually, they, they made fun of was, I don't know if you clocked that he called Candice LeRae, Candice Michelle. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. We, we, Barrett, we Barrett brought it up a few times, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they came back from break and, and there was like a, and then uh, Michael Cole said, "Go ahead," and he was like, "Well, you're stuck in 2008. This is Candice Lerae, not Candice Michelle." And Michael Cole, there was like a 10 second pause, and he went, "I profusely apologise, Candice Lerae." <laughs> and then he says, "Getting older sucks." <laughs> so, you know, if you want a sign that Vince is not around anymore, Michael Cole is great at his job. He's allowed to be so uh, good for him. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And and he was showing some humility there and some humour. And, you know, Michael Cole, did you see that video of Bailey versus, was it Zelina Vega uh, dressed yeah. up as Cole? <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't. It was uh, the uh, commentator, Kayla Braxton, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Kayla Braxton. Yeah, it was very funny. It's worth uh, seeking out. It's worth yeah. seeking out. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah, great to hear Cole sort of sending himself up and uh, admitting it when he's blowing it and... You know, we all have those moments, let's be honest. Um, but the other thing I wanted to ask you about was we had Natalia against Chelsea Green in a trick-or-street fight. Now, we had Chelsea Green and Piper Nevin both dressed as the Heart Foundation. Chelsea Green was Brett, and Piper Nevin did a superb job as Jim the Anvil Neidhart. And then Natalia, kind of inexplicably, was dressed like a slutty bunny, but then kept trying to high-five and talk to kids. I mean, this was just bonkers in all the ways. I mean, the amount of props at ringside. I mean, I mean, how many people have they got working on the crew? I mean, it's huge, isn't it? And then they had to clean up the mess afterwards, and they did so in record fashion. I mean, this match was trash. I mean, trick or street fight, Natalia versus Chelsea Green, who was dressed up as Bret Hart. You know, it was a customarily lousy Chelsea Green performance. I mean, at the beginning, she picked up this massive pie, slammed it in Natalia's face. I mean, like, Green's, like, the heel, and Natalia's the face. Isn't it supposed to be the face who slams the pie into the heel's face, Kenny? It is. They they got it the wrong way around. I mean, the rules are different when it comes to Natalia, obviously. So this massive great pie was slammed into Natalia's face and then they showed it on slow-mo. And Michael (laughs) Michael Cole was like cracking up. 
you know, just how stupid this match was. Neither Cole nor Barrett could take this seriously, you know, nor should they have done. It was rubbish. Probably the highlight was uh, Nikki Cross. Um, she was hiding under a pumpkin um, with her head sticking through the table. And she managed to maintain this sort of stoic expression the entire time. <laughs> and he almost sort of like, I was it Barrett said, is that is that really uh, Nikki Cross or is it, you know, waxwork? And Cole said, no, I saw a nose twitch. It's, it's definitely her. And she somehow managed to stay motionless the entire time, didn't she? It was very impressive. It was very impressive. I, I mean, was, t- Nikki Cross was the star of this match. Well, to me, the star was Piper Niven's Jim Neville Neinhardt. The laugh backstage, the over-the-top chest hair, the... it was. I mean, it was... If you're into just... If you can accept that this is just trash and laugh at it and enjoy it that way, then you will. But if you're a purist, this is probably not the match for you to watch. No, um, no, no I think we can safely say that. I really hope Piper Niven and Chelsea Green lose the tag team belts tonight uh, on night two of Halloween Havoc. Yeah, their, their, their time, I think, has, has run its course. Uh, I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea, she's just a non-athlete. That's the problem. Chelsea did get her first singles win of the year here, though, against Natalia. Yeah, I mean, poor Natalia. So after, <laughs> so after having Piper Niven impersonating her late father and Chelsea Green slamming a pie in her face and all this other stupidity, in the end, Chelsea won and Natalia lost. I mean, it's just <laughs> I mean, you got to wonder, haven't you? How big is Natalia's mortgage? You know, how big is it? Because, like, you know, somebody with, like, less resilience, Kenny, would have, would have quit years ago. I mean, maybe the mortgage, well, we know the mortgages in America have gone through the roof. Maybe the mortgage payments, I've got to do the job. I've just got to stick with it. DJ, <laughs> you know, look at the side. We've got an 8% mortgage now. You know, 8% mortgage. That's quite quite, quite normal in America, apparently. I can't quit, no matter what they do to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, poor, poor, poor Chelsea. You know she's she's trying thing. You know, can't blame her for trying. She's <sighs> doing her best. I mean, that match with Shotzi on Friday. I mean, we had a, a Chelsea Green match on Friday and Monday. I mean, what are they doing to us? Well, that's the beauty of being the women's tag team champions. You can wrestle on any show. You know, you can have Chelsea Green every day of the week. I mean, it's like a punishment, though, isn't it, for us, the viewers? <laughs> I did laugh at because uh, obviously she is married. I think they're either engaged or married. Uh, Chelsea Green and Matt Cardona, and Matt Cardona posted a thing on social media going, "Chelsea, I've literally got all of Bret Hart's shades that he's ever had. What are those glasses that you wore?" Which is a bit. Maybe she probably knew if she borrowed one of his pairs of glasses and broke them, she'd never hear the end of it. So she probably thought, "I'll just buy a pair at Target. It'll be easier." Um, I think they've been married for quite a few years. I think they got married in 2020, I think it was, or 2021. I think they've been married for a while, yeah. Okay, they got married. married. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but overall, Rob, Rob was a pretty fun show. I should mention next week, so we're doing a new thing where if you're a Patreon pledger, so, so that I can have some sanity and so that we can all have lives, what we're going to do now that there's monthly WWE and AEW pay-per-views, Finn and I will be recording what's going down on Mondays after any WWE pay-per-view. And then that will go on Patreon that day. But it will then go in the main feed as it normally does on Tuesday. And Sandra and I will cover the AEW pay-per-views over on Patreon as normal. So that's how you're going to get your fix of everything. 
Um, so we'll be reviewing Crown Jewel on what's going down on Monday on Patreon, Tuesday here, wherever you get your podcasts. So I think that's clear, Finn. Have I explained that okay? I, th- I thought you did a good job there, Kenny. There we go. Okay, well, listen. Very well done. That's all the time we've got for today. We're going to head off. Um, and yeah, Inside the Ropes Magazine is always the place we're sending you to, insidetheropesmagazine.com. You can get the current issues out now with Adam Copeland on the cover, Finn's interview with Eric Bischoff, lots of stuff in there that I would thoroughly recommend you check out. And if you want more of us, Patreon's the best place to get it, patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes, where we do. We, we actually did an overrun that went up today or covering the final ever issue of Power Slam Magazine. So I, I was very proud of that podcast. I thought we did a really good job with that. And then later this week, we're going to be looking at issue one from 1994. So yep. July um, of 94. So yeah, Patreon's a, a good place to check all that out. So give us a shot over at patreon.com forward slash inside drops. So Finn, I look forward to speaking to you on Thursday. It's um, I'm sure there'll be more news and stuff for us to talk about. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Sure, we'll be talking about Brian Danielson's injury. You know the collision rating this week for the uh, Kenny Omega MGF match, and all sorts of uh, other yes. strange, weird, and wonderful things. Yes, we will be here on Thursday to talk about that. So, thank you for all your support, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.